a game five for the ages is coming between the Chicago Sky and the Connecticut Sun right in the Windy City. Our Chicago Sky expert, James Kay, is here to talk about it. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is there an extra charge in the air? Does the air smell a little sweeter? Does the sun shine a little brighter? It's because it is game five day, everybody. I am Howard Megdahl, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball, your everyday source for women's basketball, 24-7, 365, over at thenexthoops.com. You can also listen to us by subscribing to Lockdown Women's Basketball everywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you're reading the good folks at The Next, including, of course, James Kay does a terrific job covering the Chicago Sky. And the Chicago Sky are facing what is potentially and shockingly their final game of the season if they can't pull out a win. Um, So, James, welcome. I know we're kind of still processing what took place in game four. I was there in person uh, sitting next to the Chicago Sky bench. I know they were still processing what was going on. How shocked were you about what took place on Tuesday night in Uncasville? Well, considering that for the next, I wrote that the sky or the, the sun's margin for error was infinitesimal. I thought that this series was over, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. I really thought the sky had really solved what the sun were throwing at them. And mm-hmm. I got to give Connecticut all the credit in the world for just being able to, at a short turnaround, come back from an emotional loss like they had in game four. So I honest, like they had in game three, excuse me. So I was pretty shocked by what happened last night. It was fascinating to me when you think about it from the sun perspective, and we should just talk about that very briefly, because obviously both teams are playing tonight, uh, but they made the decision. Kurt Miller made the decision with 3:37 to go. You referenced it in your piece, which people can read over at the next hoops.com. Uh, they didn't read both pieces about your game three and game four. Uh, and I would urge you to do so to have an understanding of what's taking place here. Uh, but Kurt Miller benched John Paul Jones, the reigning WNBA MVP with 337 to go and promptly put in Courtney Williams. It was a big move at the time. It didn't pay off in terms of a victory. Uh, My podcast earlier this week talked about it in great depth and we talked to Kurt about it. But the flip side of it was it may have electrified Courtney Williams. And Courtney Williams feels like the X factor that the sky really couldn't solve. And so my question for you, and I talked to Lynn Dunn about this, uh, on the podcast yesterday when she joined us, asked her about it as well, was how much of this was Courtney Williams activated to be the Courtney Williams of old and how much of it was just the sky not uh, not managing the defensive rotations as such to stop her on, you know, what seemed like an endless stream of backdoor passes out of the bigs getting double teams. I think it's a blend of both, honestly. I mean, if you look at Courtney Williams in game three, I know the shooting numbers weren't, perfect but when you look at the decision making her decision making is someone that was just passing up some of those contested mid-range shots that aren't 
necessarily the most efficient in a series like this when you're facing a, a sky backcourt and frontcourt that is so active and it's going to get in your face. And her passing up those shots and just getting to the rim and or trying to find someone down low, just keeping the ball moving, that's been the problem mm-hmm. with this on offense is not keeping the ball moving. So when Courtney Williams right. was doing that, I mean – yeah, she had like three assists last night, but again, she opened up more opportunities for her teammates than what looks like simply in a traditional box score. So with that said, the Sky really were falling apart when it came to some of those backdoor cuts that Courtney Williams, um, you know, what we saw last night was just the Sky looking a little bit confused whenever Courtney mm-hmm. cut in and I under, like if you're going to stop Courtney Williams, you got to keep her in front of her and make her take those late in the shot clock contested mid-range shots. And we just didn't see that last night. It was, that's obviously Courtney Williams was not the only reason why Connecticut was successful on offense last night, but she had a big part of it and her decision-making mixed with this guy being late and just a step slow on some of those defensive rotations really did them in. A confidence from Courtney Williams, a confident Courtney Williams, I should say is always dangerous. We saw her almost managed to win a championship in 2019 uh, alongside John Paul Jones, who, again, her numbers were not great, but the uh, physicality that she brought to that night, the fact that she was making good decisions out of those double teams. And Kurt talked after the game, he almost wished she were a little more selfish on some of them, but she also led the team in assists in a game that they won by 24. And so it's very hard to fault her for what she was able to do. Why do you think she was able to operate with not impunity, but with more freedom than we saw from her, particularly in game three? Honestly, it was, a. I like, again, I like to look at the X's and O's, but it really felt like the difference between these two teams, not just with John Quill Jones, it was the energy. I mean, John Quill Jones didn't seem like she was overwhelmed by what this guy were throwing at her and her getting going in the first quarter like, I think she had, what, seven of her points in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. like five or seven points in the first quarter. Her just getting going like that, even if there's not a ton of scoring output the rest of the way. Um, I mean, that just you could feel the sun really feeding off of that energy. And she it just didn't seem stifled like they did in game three. Like, they like to play physical on defense. And we didn't really see it as much on the offensive end because the sky just crowded them in the paint. I mean, they shot only 37.1% in the paint in game three. And then you see what they did last night when they score a WNBA record, 66 points in the paint and just going up so confidently. I really think John Paul Jones really did set the table like for them moving forward here. And, uh, I think it makes game five really interesting. If they're able to carry that energy, especially, in the first quarter, I think this is one of those games in game five that's going to be one. And we know where, like, what's going to, like, the energy is going to be the rest of the way is going to be dictated in that first quarter. So, yeah, you got to give John Quill so much credit for really sparking that in the sun yesterday. Little things are big things, is the thing that Kurt Miller said to us pregame. And we're seeing that even just subtle changes made such an enormous difference. They played very much the sky tempo, the sky type of game. And uh, Kurt kept his cards close to the vest, as I would 
understand he would when he was asked after the name. Are you looking for a name that more closely approximates the sky style, which the Sun were able to master and score 104, or the Sun style, which they used effectively in game three, but ultimately in a loss? Uh, do you think that the Sun need to replicate what they did in game four, or do you think it needs to be a return to the way they played uh, offensively uh, and defensively in games one through three? I mean, defensively, they held what the sky their two lowest scoring outputs of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. defensively is not. I'm not worried about the Sun defensively by any means. I mean, what they've been mm-hmm. able to do, especially in the second half of the season. I mean, it's great work by the coaching staff, and honestly, just the front core is just <laughs> so vicious. But yeah, to me again, like the, when I thought it was interesting hearing Kurt talk about the messiness. I mean, that's been such a thing that's been come up so many times throughout the series he referenced it more on the defensive end than it is on the offensive end and it, it honestly they played a beautiful style of play yesterday and getting I mean what everyone was able to do from a decision making standpoint and just keeping the ball moving I mean I, I don't think it needs to be messy you know and I don't think yeah. when you look at games one through three they just that offense just didn't look as cohesive as it did yesterday and there's you know, I don't think you're going to expect to want a Bonner to go three for seven from beyond the arc. Um, you know, there is a couple. I think you can live with some of the shots that, if you're this guy, you can live with some of the shots that Connecticut had. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's like AT, you, you want to take out her in the paint. You can let her get away with that push shot in the middle, um, you know, by the free throw line. Same thing with Bree Jones. You don't, you just can't let them destroy you in the paint. And I don't, I just think that, um, in terms of the messiness, it's all going to come on the defensive side. And they do have to keep playing physical because if you look at how the Sky ran their offense, it seemed like any time they got to the paint, they were anticipating the physicality, which mm-hmm. if you're a scorer, you want to just be thinking about getting to the rim and finishing at the rim and not be thinking about how much your contact you're going to be absorbing trying to finish at the rim, if that makes sense. It, it absolutely does. And in terms of what is the best available option for the sun. Like you said, it really seems like everything they were looking for, they were able to get and they were knocking them down. Uh, You know, Dewana Bonner hitting threes. Listen, she's a, a volume three point shooter. There are going to be nights where she does that. Bree Jones was hitting 15 footers. She's capable. It's something that she's incorporated into her game, but these aren't necessarily the shots that the sun would, would, want to get it is and Kurt spoke about this uh, a make or miss league and so if those are all going down uh, ultimately they're going to be successful the guarantee is not in fact from the sun at all or the sky the guarantee James comes from built bar pops and specifically the cookie dough chunk pops who have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and they are covered in what would you estimate what percentage of real chocolate do you think Cookie dough pops out. We say 40%, 60%. What do you think? You know, I'll I'll split the difference. I'll go like 52%. I mean, it's a great guess, and that would be amazing in and of itself. But no, it's actually 100% real chocolate. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's delicious candy bars, but probably terrible for you, right? No, no, 160 (laughs) calories, 15 grams net protein. I had long drives to and from Mohegan Sun on Tuesday. You know what got me there? Built Bar Cookie Dough Chunk Pops. You know what got me home? 
Built Bar Cortito Chun Pop. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 and get 15% off your order. And James, I, I cannot stress this enough to you. When you do it, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. <laughs> Why is that? So, <laughs> oh, well, she, 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 would, she would never forgive either of us if you didn't. So when we think about what the sky needs to change, I'm taken back to a moment during Tuesday night's game. It was midway through the second quarter. James Wade was very upset about a call. He had an extended soliloquy, I guess is sort of the nice way of putting it, uh, about uh, the call to the refs, ultimately earned a technical foul. We saw Candace, who was keeping things calm throughout the first, throughout the second. We've got this. We've got this. Came over, calming her coach down. I don't know what the right answer was, because ultimately, calm did not get it done. And James was not getting the performance out of his team that he wanted Going into a game five, what does the mindset need to be for this Sky team? Does this Sky team play better when they're calming down and taking care of business? Or do they need to be revved up? It kind of seems like they need to be revved up and not in terms of being angry, but just being like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to step up right now. Because mm-hmm. if you look at how they played in game one against the Liberty versus how they played in game two against New York. There was just urgency. There was a certain energy that was palpable that you kind of have to need in a setting like this. And I really felt that while I look, Connecticut beat the sky through and through, there were a lot of plays where the sky beat themselves. And mm-hmm. that's something that I think comes from that energy and not executing. I mean, even Ellie Quigley said last night, and she doesn't make grand statements, but she said, like, we weren't focused. Like that to me is like, wow, that is a huge thing to say coming out of a playoff game. And I think she's right. I mean, they would know, have a better assessment of that than we would. But to me, it's all about that urgency and that energy from the tip of being like, we have to go out and get this right now. And it didn't really feel like that in, especially in the first five minutes of this game. I know that she hasn't made a formal announcement there may well be the end of Allie Quigley's career coming at the end of this season. I I wonder to what extent that can play a part. And, you know, Kurt has talked about the uh, window of opportunity to win a championship for the sun. But look, as presently constructed, this is a team that operates with a tremendous amount of value out of Allie Quigley, but we don't know whether she's going to return next year or not. And Candace Parker, who is still very much up in the air in terms of what she's going to do next year. And so, you know, that sense of urgency, I, I don't know. Do you state it? Do you, do you have that conversation? I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what they do in order to get that sense of urgency. But I do want to talk about some other players who aren't discussed in the same way. And uh, we talked about it off the air, the fact that the sun outscored the sky on bench points on Tuesday night, 38 to 19. It does, however, bear noting that we seem to see Julie Alamond more comfortable and more willing to shoot in this series than we saw her for much of the season. Somebody who's been an extremely efficient scorer, but has at times been reluctant to do it. What are you seeing at Julie Alamond, just the bench more generally here with the Chicago Sky? 
I think Julie Aleman doesn't get enough credit for her play. Again, if you just look at the box score, it won't jump out to you, but the way that she is able to come in and provide comparable minutes to Courtney Vanderslew and just in what she's able to do and just keeping the offense going, finding the open person. I do think that she can be un- too unselfish at times, but you're right, Howard. She has looked more comfortable shooting. It's been a topic point or a talking point that we've been going over throughout the entire season. Like what's going on? Like, well, how was Julie Aleman, someone who shot, I think over 45% from beyond the arc in 2020 with the fever mm-hmm. and, has shown overseas that I mean that she is a shooter. How is she shooting under thirty percent with the sky? And I I really don't know how like what has been going on there. But we've seen teams go under her on screens. I don't think Connecticut can do that now. I think she has looked more comfortable with that shot. I mean, she had that one three one of her two attempts yesterday where Emma Meeseman found her on the wing and I think in the waning seconds of the possession and. Julie caught it, like, you know, it was just so smooth. She just got into her shot and made it. And a little bit later on, I mean, she also had, like, the sun stopped the sky's first two actions on a possession, and then Julie stepped up and hit a baseline jumper. I mean, Julie's capable of doing this, and I do think that she's someone that just keeps everything steady. But I know a lot of, a lot of Sky fans want to see more Dana Evans, and I think that Cacophony – of calls for her to be more of an integral part coming off of the bench grew louder after she scored 10 points last night. But I do think, yeah, no, no, go for it. No, yeah, Dana looked terrific down the stretch. And, you know, yeah, it was garbage time, but it's still the playoffs and it was still an opportunity to show what she can do. In terms of Julie, the thing that sticks out to me is she's now logged 85 minutes in the playoffs and she has four turnovers total a four to one assist to turnover ratio uh, someone who has essentially halved her turnover percentage from the regular season that was to my mind the only thing standing in the way of julie alamond becoming a frontline starting point guard in the wnba if, if this is the julie alamond that we are now going to see going forward do you think this is somebody who offers a potential opportunity if Courtney Vandersloot decides to move on? Oh, absolutely. She's someone that when the Sky acquired her with little leverage in the Diamond to Shields negotiate. I mean, like, again, we're, anytime you have a restricted free agent in a 12-team league where, again, that WNBA players have more leverage over w, WNBA teams just because they can just be like, all right, I'm sitting out. So they turned Julie Aleman – I mean, they turned Diamond to Shields into Julie Aleman in a 2023 first-round pick. And to me, the 2023 first-round pick is great. But Julie Aleman, what she did in 2020 with that Fever team, mm-hmm. I mean, she's someone that hasn't shown her ability as a combo guard as much this season, but she's someone that can score the basketball. One of the things that Courtney Vandersloot did so well in that first half yesterday was getting to the rim and, you know, splitting the hedges and finding her way to the rim and – Julie has the capability to do the same thing. She's had some a lot of impressive finishes at the rim this year. It's just that shot that's probably stopped people from really seeing what her full potential is. Mm-hmm. I Julie is someone that can be a, a starting point guard in this league. She's one of the best point guards in the world, let's be honest. I, re- I have a hard time seeing that this guy wouldn't at least give Julie a shot next year, given that she's on a, still on a rookie-scale contract that hovers around 
$60,000. So, yeah. Rookie scale, just turned 26. We're going to see her for at least part, it depends on what happens Thursday night, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps all uh, of uh, the upcoming international tournament with the Belgian Cats. So I am going to be fascinated to see what comes next. Bottom line, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because we can't. We can't predict this this game. We can't predict this uh, this sport, this wonderful sport, which is something I love about as I'm watching it unfold in front of me uh, last night. But if the Chicago Sky do not repeat, if things end here, what do you think is the ultimate legacy of this team is a team that was able to bring a championship to Chicago is one enough when you think about what their aspirations are. I'm just curious, you know, in the broader picture, what you think this all means for the, uh, the James Wade era Chicago sky project that we're looking at right now. This is a really good question. It's something that I I haven't really framed it in this way in my mind when I think about the sky 24 seven, but I do think that getting one, for a franchise that was just starving for a championship that got its first one last year, having Candace Parker come in in year one, despite all of the struggles they endured from a chemistry standpoint, from a injury standpoint, from just an expectation standpoint. I mean, Oh my God, like what they were able to do last year is still something that I can't believe they were able to achieve given the regular mm-hmm. season, the quote unquote turmoil. I think if you ask the sky that, they will be disappointed that, you know, Ali Quigley taking a $59,000 pay decrease to come back and, and then not make it back to the finals. I mean, that's probably a disappointment. I mean, everyone took a little bit of a pay decrease to come back and make this work. But I do think that this wouldn't be a stain on James Wade's legacy. I do think winning is just so much harder than people make it out to be. You can have the best roster in the world, you can be on the hottest streak for the first 36 games of the season and everything can fall apart from the postseason. Winning's freaking hard. And I think what James Wade's been able to do over these last few years and get them even to this point after, again, the just these franchise just starving for a championship, I wouldn't necessarily consider it, consider it a failure, but I don't think that they'll be satisfied just getting to this point because game five is going to be and this is not hyperbole one of the most important games in franchise history coming up because of all the things that you outlined from a contract standpoint no doubt about it and and i'm with you I, i again i think people are quick to denigrate i think people are slow to appreciate uh, in this space in particular it is incredibly difficult the list of repeat uh, champions, even those Minnesota Lynch teams won four, four championships, but they didn't repeat at any point. Those are staggered. And it is an incredibly difficult thing. Uh, I think the championship in the same way uh, that we hold Kurt Miller in my mind to an unfair standard. Uh, he's brought the Connecticut Sun to a half decade of significant success year in and year out. Uh, and yet there are people who are critical for him not winning a title. Well, we'll see. One way or another, either Kurt Miller or James uh, James Wade is going to have an opportunity to play in the WNBA Finals uh, after Thursday night. So I cannot wait 
to see it. Uh, I, I want to thank our listeners for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Uh, now for your second, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview on 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, James, I was last really kind of plugged into the NFL uh, after the 85 season and the Super Bowl shuffle uh, by William the Refrigerator Perry. I assume the Bears have continued as a dynasty in the 37 years since. Is that correct? Howard, I hope you're not a Bears fan because that is not quite what ensued after uh... – Walter Payton and the Bears were able to pull that one off. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might not want to go to pro football reference for that one. I will, I will have to check it out. Apparently I have missed quite a bit while I have been asleep for these uh, last uh, uh, 40 years or so, let's say. It sounds like not so good for the Bears. No, well, good to, good to know. I'll file that away. Well, James K., make sure everyone, if you're not watching us on YouTube, if you're listening, at James underscore M, underscore K. James has a must-listen podcast of his own, the Skyhook Podcast. Always read what he has to say. Uh, James, always great to see you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Howard. And to our listeners, make sure you tune in tomorrow as well. We're going to have constant coverage right through the end of the WNBA playoffs. And then, of course... More coverage, because this is what we're going to do year-round. We are always covering the world of women's basketball. I am Howard Magdal, wishing you a wonderful day. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.